Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Grant. Welcome to Never ever give up hope. Never ever give up hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what happened. My guests have survived incredible circumstances and as a result they have the passion to help others who may be going through something similar. This is a a factor that runs through each and every interview and I find it amazing that those who have suffered much and come out the other side want to share their journey with us and help anyone who might be going through something similar. Some of my guests have overcome extreme poverty and they are now successful multimillionaires. Some have overcome abuse. Some have overcome serious depression or illness. Some have even overcome living in a war zone. So no matter where we are on this globe, what this tells me is that there are people from all walks of life who have all endured so many traumas in their life and still want to share their successes. And so I thank each and every one of my guests. All of them are special. They're all fighters and they're all winners. The Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries. And that shows me again that no matter where we are on this globe, we need that message of hope. Especially in the day and times that we are living in. That message rings loud and clear. So I thank you to all my guests and I thank you to all my listeners. Because without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. So welcome to never ever give up hope. With me today, I have Alan Weinstein. He is the author of Memoirs of a Learning Disabled Dyslexic Multimillionaire. Really excited to hear his story. Now, he couldn't read until he was 13 years old, and consequently, he was labeled, and the educational system basically wrote him off. And he's going to be a loser, and whatever other names and bullying that he may have endured as a result of that. But Alan never believed he was a failure even if he failed. And this is something that I know that he is passionate about and he is going to share that no matter what failures we may go through, it doesn't make us a failure. And it doesn't mean that we fail because we just pick up the pieces and move forward. So welcome, Alan. Thank you, Carol. Pleasure for me to be here. Oh, absolutely. Let's start with, as a child, you must have had incredible frustrations 
because of your inability to read. So tell us, start with your youngest memory and where this became an issue with you and how you coped with that right through your school years. If you could share that, please. First of all, we have to recognize that I'm 82 years old. When I went to school in the 50s, nobody knew from dyslexia, 40s and 50s. And therefore, they couldn't diagnose what I had. And they just thought I was a moron. In plain English, they told my mother that they thought something was wrong with my brain and I would never succeed or amount to anything. Because no matter what they tried to teach me, I just couldn't catch it. I couldn't get it. Now, I understood that something was wrong, but I had no idea what it was. And as time went on, while I was in school, the good news and the bad news is I was born in a small town on Long Island, New York, uh, which was a very close-knit community. That's the good news. And the bad news is they all knew everybody, and everybody knew I had problems. So that was the bad news. So throughout life, I battled every day of my life to try to understand what was happening. Interestingly enough, I kept seeing myself as a winner. For some reason, I would never allow this negative surrounding to penetrate me because I, I had hope. I had vision of myself being a successful person. Now, that vision may have been driven by the fact that at that time I wasn't accomplishing anything and I wanted to accomplish. So I kept fighting with inside myself to achieve. And certain things that were not related to schoolwork, I started to achieve in. And I realized that every person has something that they could do well. They just have to find what that one thing is. And when you begin to accomplish positive things, even no matter how small they are, you begin to build a little more self-confidence in yourself and self-esteem. Now, without confidence in yourself and without self-esteem, there is no success. Any successful person has confidence in what they're doing, and they have a self-esteem about them. But the problem is when you have a handicap such as dyslexia or any other handicap, sometimes we lose our self-esteem right? and, and, our, and our self-confidence. That is the killer. And there are people in our life that feed us negative thoughts negative things about what we what we do what we can't do so i was always told you can't do this you can't do that not only by my parents not too much because they worked all day long and i very rarely saw them not they were loving parents don't get me wrong but they both worked very long hours but friends and relatives anybody who knew my problems would always say negative things to me uh, and I don't think they meant it to be hurtful, but it was hurtful. Uh-huh. 
And you have to learn in life that people cannot control your emotions. You have to control your own. You have to begin to believe in yourself. And when I started to hear certain people tell me things, one person in particular, and I said to myself, who is that person? That person didn't accomplish anything in their life. And what are they trying to tell me? And I began to think about that. And so I began to think positive about myself and said and convinced myself that I can do things and that I'm going to learn how to do things my own way. I had to develop a method to think out of the box. I did finally learn how to read. I, I got some tutoring and I practiced real hard. However, reading wasn't the only thing. You have to learn how to comprehend what you read. That was more difficult right, right. for me than even reading. So I, I, would read, I would read a page and at the end of the page, I read words, nothing sunk in. And I didn't know what to do and how to do that. So again, I decided to play a game with myself. I would read a paragraph. I would put the book down. And then I would say to myself, as if I'm a teacher, okay, Alan, what did you just read and explain it to me? Really? So I, I did that paragraph by paragraph until I finally understood how to concentrate on what I'm reading. And to this day, I am still not a great reader. I can read legal contracts very well because my business is real estate. So I got accustomed to reading that. But if you give me novels to read or any type of books, I'm very slow. But that's okay. That's, that's all right. You learn how to, how to read uh, slowly. You learn how to comprehend. And I would say to myself, so it'll take me a little bit longer than anybody else, but I'm still doing it. And there are other things that I can do better than other people. So we have to understand who we are and where we're going in life. I took myself and I said, I have to achieve. And I started to believe in my, in, in my future. And I said to myself, I am going to make a positive future for myself. I am going to, to get into college, even though everybody said I could never do it. I went through school and my junior year of high school, my parents were told that uh, they should probably take me out of school and send me to a trade school because I'm not doing anything very good. So I did, I did leave and I went to a private school, which my parents couldn't afford, but I went. And they just graduated me because they had to. And believe it or not, because I still don't know how it happened, but I did apply to many colleges <laughs> and I got into Tulane University School of Architecture. Don't ask me how, <laughs> but I believe back in those days, they may have needed a quota from New York because Tulane was not that well known back in the 50s. <laughs> so maybe they took me into School of Architecture as a token, I don't know. But I got in. And of course, I had a very, I mean, almost impossible time. 
but I worked very, very hard. At the end of the third year, I transferred to the University of Kansas. Uh, there was a disciple of Frank Lloyd Wright working there, and I wanted to study under him. And I got into Kansas, and I finally graduated with a degree in architecture. Now, every day of my life in college was a disaster. And I never went to sleep at night without the dream of seeing myself accepting a diploma. I would never, I'd never think anything else. That I was your goal. It, that was your that goal. That was my goal. It, it was a burn. It was not, it, it was more than a goal. It was a, it was a need that I had with inside of me to prove to myself and to the world that I can do it. Do you think that possibly one of the motivations that you had to succeed was actually based on negativity in that when someone is saying to you, you won't succeed, you can't read, you can't do this, you can't do that, does that actually, because I think a lot of people do do this, did that motivate you to actually prove them wrong and to prove, prove to yourself and to them that you could do that? Absolutely. I say to everybody who I speak to, if I wasn't dyslexic, I don't think I'd be as successful as I am today. Amazing. Yes. It's, you can take your handicap and turn it into the best thing that ever happened to you. Everything is a mindset. And when you set your mind to something and you don't give up and you work towards that goal, nothing can defeat you. Nothing. And I, I take exception with one word, uh, and that's failure. I don't believe in failure. I believe in setbacks. Failure is only, only when you quit. That's failure. Uh-huh. Otherwise, everything is a, ro- a, a, a roadblock. You know, I always say to people, if you're on your way to a destination and you see a roadblock, you don't go home. You go around it. That's right. Well, that's the same thing as life. If you become, you come across a stumbling block or something that sets you back a little bit, that's not a failure. That's, you got to go around it. It's a roadblock. And when you go around it, you've learned an awful lot because when we have setbacks, we learn what not to do. <laughs> very good point. So, so setbacks are very important in life. Now, if anybody listening to this can, re- can go back to their school days and look at all the extremely smart children in school, if you could contact them today, you will find out that a good percentage of them never succeeded. That's right. And the, and the reason is they didn't have to fight. They didn't oh. have to fight to succeed. So everything was given to them. Right. And when they got out in the real world, uh-huh. they could not handle it. So let me just say one thing to your listeners. Your handicap can be your best friend if you handle it properly. And, and that's a very important thing. Always keep your dreams, never give up, and always, always, you'll always reach your goals. However, 
The other thing is that you have to learn how to enjoy the journey in reaching your goal. Many people get aggravated and they get annoyed and they get frustrated because they're not there yet. Don't worry about not being there yet. (laughs) Enjoy that journey. It's similar to when somebody says to you, we're going to go on a great vacation six months from now. You have that six months of enjoyment uh-huh. to look forward to that. That's right. That trip. Well, that's the journey. The trip takes five days and you're over. But you had a beautiful journey of six months enjoying the thinking of doing it. And that's very important in life. Very important because that helps you handle your everyday situations, not problems. We don't have problems. We have situations and we're there to solve those situations. Well, that's like the definition of hope because you keep that in front of you. Yes. You never yes. let go of that. What you, what you have seen in the dark is going to be exposed in the light. And now you never let go of that hope because you know that as long as you hang on to it and look forward to it, it is going to happen. So um, that's right up my alley. I totally understand what you're saying and appreciate that. You know, in, in, in a short sentence, we are who we believe we are. Right. And we can be anything we can imagine. If you can imagine it, you can be it. You can be anything you want. Anything you can imagine, you can accomplish. Now, you have to realize something. From the safety pin to the computer, it was an image in somebody's mind. Right. Before it became a reality. So imagery is the secret, my secret to success. And all the babbling that I have done gets me to that major point Mm. of Imagery, because when you can have an image in your mind, like I had, of getting up on the stage and receiving my diploma in architecture, (laughs) when you have that image and you never let go of it, I am living proof, living proof that it will happen. There is no reason. To this day, I graduated college in 1958 and 1960. I'm... I'm 82, as I said. I still don't understand how I got in to college. (laughs) No less getting out. (laughs) So, but it was an image in my mind that I would never give up. Never. Remember that. Where did that come from, do you think? Do you think that was instilled in you as a child with your, from your parents? Or is this just what you realized as you were going through your struggles? No, no, no. Unfortunately... I had very little guidance. And, and please don't misunderstand this. I love my parents. They were great, nice people, uneducated, hardworking people. They had no way of directing my future. Okay, okay. So it was basically all on my own. It's, it, was a t- it was a tough life, but a good life. That's, I totally understand what you're saying, and that's a very good way to put it. Now, one Sunday night, you went to bed, a multimillionaire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you woke up Monday morning penniless. Now, that's quite the story, I'm sure. Why don't you share that with us? That's a, that's a, well, I, I, I'll tell you quickly how it got there, but I'll tell you uh, what happened was I'm in the real estate business, and uh, I was quite successful. 
And in ni- this is about 1970, 74, there was a bank on Long Island called Franklin National Bank. And it funded most of the real estate developers. Mm. And it, was a ve- it was a very big bank and very well known. There came a time when the bank called me into the office and said to me, they would like to be my partner in business. However, legally they couldn't be. So how we arranged it was they would put up all the money for the jobs that I was going to build. And all I had to do was sign personally for the money so that I wouldn't get up one day and walk away. Oh, okay. Because normally when I would do a deal, I would have to put up at least 30% or 40% of the cash. Right. And the bank would give me the other 70%. But in this case, they were going to give me all the money. Now, in return for giving me all the money, instead of them charging me, let's say, 3% interest, they were going to charge me 6% interest. And that's the way they were going to get their profits. Okay. Out of the interest. So they were feeding, we were doing some very big jobs and they were feeding me a lot of money and we got up to $13 million. And, but the jobs were very, very good. I go to sleep on a Sunday night. At that point, I had $2 million in the bank <coughs> drawing, so don't, don't pass out people, 8.1% oh interest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> a lot of money and because I didn't need the money they kept rolling it over in my in my bank account mm-hmm. so I never took the money out I was just earning it so I go to sleep on, on a Sunday night I wake up go into my kitchen for breakfast put on the TV and I hear that Franklin National Bank closed its doors and is out of business oh my word and then I turn on another TV because that one had to be broken. <laughs> and, I p- and I pick up the newspaper and I'm going crazy. And I call the bank and the bank doesn't answer. And I, I what am I going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm in debt for $13,800,000. And I can't do any of my jobs. Well, within a couple of days, I get a call from the FDIC and the, the government. They should... Uh, they call me in. They took my $2 million immediately out of the bank. And they knew nothing about our arrangement oh. that the bank was going to be my partner because, like I said, back then you couldn't be partners. Right. They just figured the bank was charging me 6% interest. Oh. So, so they wanted me to be responsible for the $13,800,000. Well, what pursued after that I, uh, I, I mean, I had no money. I was broke. I, I needed to borrow $500 that week to eat. And here I am with two kids, you know, in, in a yeah. home. Yeah. For about two days, I didn't leave the house. Uh, after I was down, I was out. I didn't know what I was going to do. On the third day, I get up. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. My wife says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to jog. She says, you don't jog. I said, now I do. (laughs) And I went out, and I'm running around the track. And as I'm running, there's a gentleman in front of me, and there's another gentleman sitting in a wheelchair on the side. And as the person in front of me passes the wheelchair, they wave to each other. And I said to myself, and I look at this gentleman in the wheelchair, you know what? 
I don't have any problems. If it's money, I'll make it back. If it's health, I got a problem. And from that day on, I fought back. It took me eight years. I would not give in. I sued the bank. I sued the government. I sued and I won. Really? Yep. Now, I didn't win any money back. I didn't get any of my $2 million back, but I didn't have to pay any of the balance of the 13. So I started clean all over again. Wow. Start. And if you think that was easy. Yeah, no kidding. That was a tough, tough road. But again, I said, I'll make it. And I'll make it bigger and better than I did the first time. And that's exactly what happened. I had a dream. And I call it imagery. Uh And when you perfect imagery, you perfect your life. And if I may give you an example, so people can think about it. If you take a golf club, any ball, and you give it to somebody who lives in a jungle, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. But if you take that same equipment, give it to somebody who lives in a civilized community, but has never played golf, never, they still know what to do with it. They may not do well, but they know to put the ball down and try to hit it with the club. How do they know that? Because they saw it happen. That's an image in their mm-hmm. mind. Okay. Now, if you can perfect that image, then you can perfect your life. Because that image, the more you think about that image, the more you perfect it, the, the more real it becomes. That's awesome. Now, one thing that you said that I really appreciate, and that is positive thoughts equal positive results and negative thoughts equal negative results. Now, we've all heard that before. It's like garbage in, garbage out, right? Correct, exactly. So why don't you just expound on that a little bit, and it may be in light of what you were just sharing. Well, we have, like, like I said in the past, human beings are like computers. A computer is fed by a brain, feeds it information, and it spits out the information it's fed. A computer doesn't make its own information up, Somebody has to feed it. Right. So, same as a human being. We get born, and our surroundings, our parents, our friends, our relatives, our teachers, the newscast, everything, feeds our brain with information. And we absorb that information. When we absorb it, we live it. Right. So, so when people go around and say to you, negative thinking, they give you negative thoughts, like, well, you can't do that, or you shouldn't try that, or this person did that and failed. That's a negative thought. And if you accept that negative thought as the computer, then you spit out that negative thought. And, that's, and you live, you say, well, I can't do that. I was told I can't do that. So I have a theory. I never accept negativity because... It's coming from people who have no knowledge of what they're talking about, especially when they're not in a position that I respect. So I only accept positive thoughts. I only think positive, positive ways of handling things. So when you say negative thoughts, negative results, positive thoughts, positive results, stay on that positive line And you can't lose. Now, that doesn't mean 
I want to make that clear. That doesn't mean that I don't have down days. I'm normal. Mm-hmm. Of course I have down days. It's a question of how long I allow down to be down before I get rid of it. So, so that's very important. If, if you're having a down day, don't say, oh, what am I doing? I'm failing. No. Enjoy the down day. Live with it. And then understand to yourself that you're going to get out of it and start thinking about positive things. Down time is okay. We all go through it. It's normal. So don't let that be a fear in your life. What about people who are in situations where they are surrounded by negativity and can't get out? And this comes, you know, and it, it affects many, many people, possibly, uh, let's, for example, a wife that's in an abusive situation and, and can't get out, or uh, children who have um, very negative parents and, they, and they're, you know, they're under that, that, that guise of negativity. What do people do? I and mean, that's just a couple examples. But what right. do, can people do in general? Is it something where you're saying where you set your mind not to receive those thoughts and replace them with a positive thought? Or are there other uh, suggestions that you have? Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that. When you say the term can't get out, there's no such thing. It's a mindset. In order to ach- achieve in life, one must change. One of the easiest words in the dictionary one of the toughest things to do, change. In order to succeed, you must change. You must change your thinking. You must change your approach. Now, when you say, for example, a battered wife who can't get out, I have always had problems with that concept. They, in their own minds, can't get out because they say to themselves, I have no money I don't know where I'm going to go. Right, I don't know right. what I'm going to do. Right. So that's the negative thinking that uh-huh. they're feeding to them, and they're accepting it. That's right. That's why they can't get out. They can get out. They can get There's a job for everyone. I mean, if you're a battered wife, I'd like to be a diner, a, 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 a waiter in a diner to get out. Do anything. Not that, right. not that waiter in a diner is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you can be a waiter in a diner and make a living and get out of your, your bad situation. If, you, if you're living in a home where you're getting a lot of negativity, I get these questions all the time on my website. It's up to you. It's up to you to change it in your brain, change that negativity, to, to think positive, to realize what are they saying to me? Who are they to know what's inside of me? And that's what I call by change. You have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you act. And when you do that, then you're on the road to success. So when you say people can't get out, they can get out. They don't have the will to get out. I totally agree with you. That's so well put. Does your book, is it a self-help book or is it a, a book of your, like a memoir or both? No, it's, my book is a combination of both. And the reason that for that is so I can let people know that I'm just not telling you what to do without me having gone through it. Dead. The big difference is I lived the negative life. I've lived the hardships. I've lived the bullying. I've lived the insults. I've lived it. 
And now I can tell you how to get out of it. And my book helps you do that. And consequently, if you did it, so can somebody else. Believe me, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a genius. I'm not. I, I just, uh, I'm just an average person with a will to achieve. And once you have that undying will, you can't fail. Just curious, if we back up for just a moment regarding sure. your story. Did you ever get an apology of any kind from that bank? <laughs> well, you got to understand, that bank went out of business. They were gone. And uh, apology? Do you ever get an apology from I government? know. I just had to throw <laughs> that in there. Like, <laughs> oh. uh, they did. It, it, was such a, it was such an illegal, dirty deal. Right, right. I was told, Alan, go bankrupt, and you won't have to worry about it. And I said, Alan doesn't fail. Alan doesn't go bankrupt. Alan fights for what's right. And I have a theory. I have a theory. If I do something wrong and somebody brings it up to me, I will do anything I can to correct it. Anything. Right. Whether it's money, whether it's going out of my way to do because I don't want to do wrong. However, if I'm right, you'll never get me to back down. Ever. <laughs> oh, that's the tenacity. A tenacious man. Right. You have to be that way because nobody's going to take care of you if that's you don't right. take care of yourself. Absolutely. Have you uh, taught seminars on this concept? or? <laughs> well, it's not a question of what I teach. I do lecture a bit. I do get a lot of uh, emails and questions that I answer uh, on, on my website. And I enjoy it. I enjoy helping people. I understand. I truly understand the difficulty to achieve when yes. you have a handicap. Yes. But I'm going to tell you something else. I am a, I, I was an ardent skier. I skied every weekend of my life. And up at Hunter Mountain, which is a small little local mountain upstate New York, I would go up every weekend with my children. And there came a time when I ran the ski clinic on weekends. And I would teach young children how to ski. Well, this one particular day, I was teaching these children how to ski. And this gentleman, there were a couple of them, maybe three or four people skiing by me, with no legs. They were like sitting on their skis. And they were skiing like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Look at the will. Yes. They had. Now you have people who have no legs and they achieve many things. And then you have people who have no legs who sit around and feel sorry for that's themselves. That's right. That's the difference. And, and that's the same with anything. Yes. With anything. You've got to understand that this world is full of challenges, full of things that we have to overcome. And if we don't overcome them, then they overcome us. That's so it's a, a very choice. good point. Yes. Either you're going to win or That's they're right. going to win. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to win at all times. You know, the choice you make today, you live with tomorrow. Always mm -hmm. remember that. Because when people talk about your future... You are making your future today. What you do today is your future tomorrow. And that's a very important point. Repeat so, that again. The choice you make today. You have to live with tomorrow. So if you make bad choices, you're going to live with bad, with bad situations right. in the future. So always remember when you make a choice to do something or you make a decision, think about 
where that decision is going to bring you. You know, you make a decision. I'm just making you know, to ride to ride a motorcycle 90 miles an hour up a highway, and you have an accident that brought you. That's what your future is. You're going to be crippled. Right. So what I'm trying to that that's very simplistic. Yes. What I really mean is, whatever you decide to do today, if you decide today not to work hard, not to de- get a determination, not to accomplish, okay, that's your future. And in, in 10 years from now, you will be in the same position you're in today. Or maybe <laughs> or, worse. Or worse. Or maybe right. worse. So always remember, we control our future. When people say, well, we don't control the future. Well, it's certain things you're right, of course. But we can do the best we can to control the things that we can control. That's right. So your future is in your hands. You know, you can always, you can either be part of the pack or you can lead the pack. I'd rather lead it. Well, that was incredibly inspiring, Ellen. I agreed with everything that you said. We've, you know, we never tire of hearing this kind of positive input and suggestions. And your book, I know, well, it it has to be a bestseller because this is something that people need to hear, are looking for it, and you have it in a nutshell. Your own story, right from the dyslexia to losing everything and never giving up. That's incredible. And giving us tips, I so appreciate that. Now, is there anything that you would like to add in conclusion? Well, I just want to conclude by saying I really appreciate the ability to get out there and get my, get my work out there so that people who are having problems can understand that they can get out of their problems. It's just a question of what you decide in your mind to do. You can do whatever you decide you want to do. If you decide to be a basketball player, for example, you may not have the ability to be a Michael Jordan or even to make a basketball team, but at least you'll be the best you can be. Yes. That's all I'm asking for. Yes. And the only way you can be the best you can be is by always working at it. I don't expect, if if I grew up with a basketball in my hand and played every single day, eight hours a day, I probably still couldn't make a team. But I would be the best I could be. Right. That's all you have to say to yourself. No matter what you do, you're going to hear negative things. When I bought my first piece of property, I was told it was the wrong area and I paid too much for it and I'm going to go broke. And if you think, and I heard that from somebody in the real estate business, and if you think that didn't bother me, Mm. I didn't sleep for nights. (laughs) But he was wrong. Not only did I go broke, I made good money on my first piece. So you see, even experts in the business sometimes can't, can't give you the facts and it doesn't hurt if you can get a mentor somebody you respect yes yes if you if you get somebody who you can respect to help you and guide you that would be terrific and remember i said help and guide not to lead you by the hand but just to guide you i'm a mentor to many people who i guide and, and give advice to i never tell them what to do i give them advice they can either take it or not take it. That's right. I even, I even did that with my children. 
When they were growing up, I never said, no, you can't do that. Or no, you can't do this. I always said, in my opinion, this is what I think. You do what you think. And sometimes they did what they thought. It came out wrong. And they would come back to me and say, you were right, Dad. As a parent, if you're listening to me, the one thing you must do is stop any negative words, any negative thoughts that you're giving to your children. It is the worst thing in the world. Build their confidence. If you like to give them constructive criticism, first build them up on something good that they've done. And then go into the constructive criticism in a very positive way. You can you can tell somebody in a positive way that they're doing something wrong. But when you tell them in a negative way, you are creating the problem for your child. That's right. Very well said. Try to tell that to some parents and they laugh at you. Yes. One of the things that I do is if I'm speaking to young children who need help, I first demand to speak to the parents. Because if I can't change the parents, I can't change the child. So that's the thought I'd like to give to my listeners. That is a very good note to end on. Everyone has the ability to succeed within their capabilities. And we never know what those capabilities are until we test them. Wow. I like that. Everyone so, has the ability to succeed in their capabilities, and we don't understand what those capabilities are unless we test them. Exactly. Thank you, Alan. That was an excellent note to stop at, and I so appreciate it. I trust that many people will be connecting with you and wanting to possibly, um, of course, get your book, definitely, but also possibly, as you offered, to email, make some connections with different people who may have questions because you covered a lot of area here, and I so appreciate you bearing your soul, so to speak, and sharing with us from your from your beginnings and, and the struggles that you had right through to your successes. So thank you, thank Alan. You. I had my own radio show. All my radio shows are on my website. My speeches that I make for graduation classes are on my website. There are many things that are on the website that people will enjoy okay. looking at. But I think they will enjoy my website very much. I thank you very much, Carol. Okay, it was a pleasure. You. Thank you, Ellen. And goodbye. And goodbye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.